you will allow me for just for a little bit this morning, I invite your attentions to Romans chapter 11. I'd like to read verses 33 through 36 in your hearing. There is a reason for everything. There is a reason for everything. For everything that transpires in our lives, God has a reason. He just does not do things by happenstance. He doesn't do things just on the spur of the moment without thought. Everything has a reason. With that said, I invite your attention now. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Notice Paul inserts that question. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall not be repaid to him? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we thank you again for this day. As we come to this time of our worship and praise, the ministry of your word, pray that you will speak through me today. Help me to be the vessel that you have called me to be for this occasion and for this moment. I pray that you will anoint each of us, help us to hear and to receive your word, and we'll thank you for it all. It's in Jesus' name that we ask it today. The wise man in the book of Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 4 said this, The Lord has made all for himself. So I think we would be safe in saying it's all for and all about him. That being Jesus Christ. Amen? The ultimate goal of the universe is to reveal the glory of God. This is the reason for everything that exists, including you and I. God made it all for His glory. Please understand, without God's glory, there really wouldn't be anything. So just what is God's glory? I think that's a fair question. Just what is God's glory? It is who God is, if I may answer that in the most simplistic manner. It is who God is. It is the essence of His nature. It is the essence of His character, the weight of His importance, the radiance of His splendor, the demonstration of His power, and the atmosphere of His presence. To sum up God's glory in one sentence, it might be something like this. God's glory is the expression of His goodness and all of His other intrinsic eternal qualities, and characteristics. The previous question then that I ask begs the next question. Where is the glory of God and where can I find it? Where does it exist? Just look around you. Everything God, everything created by God reflects His glory in some fashion. I walked out the door one morning this last week, pretty early in the morning, and I mean, all you could hear through the air was the birds. Just, I mean, having a song fest. They were going, springtime is here, and man, they're happy, and the ducks down in the pond were happy, and the big old gray cranes, they were happy, and everybody was just singing. I mean, they're having themselves a time. All you have to do is look around. Everything created by God reflects His glory in some fashion. We can see it everywhere, from the smallest microscopic form of life to the vast Milky Way, 
from sunsets and stars to storms and seasons. Creation in and of itself reveals our Creator's glory. In nature, we learn that God is powerful, that He enjoys variety, He loves beauty, He is organized and is wise, and He is extremely creative. In fact, the Bible says this in the 19th Psalm, verse number 10, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Not too long ago, while up in the Midwest, in Indiana, where I was out far from my dad's house and where he lives, you don't have all these city lights. You, you better know your way back out of there when you go there. And I went out that night and looked up into the heavens, and I mean, the stars were just absolutely phenomenal. You can see stars there that you can't see around here because there's too much reflection from the lights on earth. What a beautiful scene it was. Throughout human history, God has revealed his glory to people in a variety of settings. He revealed his glory first in the Garden of Eden, then to Moses, then in the tabernacle, and then in the temple, and now through Jesus Christ, or then through Jesus Christ, and now through the church. God's glory was portrayed as a consuming fire. It was portrayed as a cloud, a thunder, smoke, and a brilliant light. In fact, in heaven, God's glory provides all the light that is needed. I remind you of the passage in the book of Revelations, chapter 21, verse 23, that says this, The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Amen. No wonder Paul said, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither yet hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. In fact, God's glory can be best seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, he's the light of the world. And as the light of the world, he illuminates God's nature. Because of Jesus Christ, we are no longer in the dark about what God is really like. In fact, here's how Paul described it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, Jesus came to earth so we could fully understand and appreciate God's glory. Amen. The Apostle John put it like this, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God's inherent glory is what He possesses because He is God. It is His nature. We cannot add anything to this glory. Just as it would be impossible for us to make the sun shine any brighter. We can't add anything to his glory. However, we are commanded to recognize his glory. We are commanded to honor his glory. We are commanded to declare his glory. And we are commanded to reflect his glory. And finally, we are commanded to live for his glory. Amen. For anyone who may be wondering why, simply because God is worthy. He's worthy. Needs to be no other reason other than He is worthy.
He is worthy. He deserves it. We owe Him every honor we can possibly bestow upon Him. In light of the fact God made all things, He deserves all the glory. John described it this way in Revelation 4 and 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Throughout the universe, only two of God's creatures or creations fail to bring him glory, bring glory to him. One is fallen angels or demons, and the other, believe it or not, is we humans. You see, all sin as its at its core is failing to give God glory. It is loving anything else more than God. Refusing to bring glory to God is nothing more than prideful rebellion. And it is the sin that caused Satan's fall, as well as all of humanity. In various ways at one time or another, we have all lived for our own glory, not God's, right? Yeah, we all have. It's, it's nothing new. In fact, Paul described it in this way in Romans 3 and 23. He said, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But aren't you glad for His grace? <laughs> aren't you glad for His unmeasurable grace? In fact, I will be so bold as to say not one of us has given to God the full glory He deserves from our lives. If we could categorize sin, which we know that we can't, but if we could just for the sake of this analogy, this could very well be the worst sin and the biggest mistake we humans make. And that is the failure to give glory to God. On the other hand, living for God's glory is the greatest achievement we can ever accomplish with our lives. God said it this way through His prophet in the book of Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, notice that now, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. So living for God's glory should be the supreme goal of our lives. Amen? So the question then remains as we get to this juncture in our sermon this morning, how can I bring glory to God? Is there some magic formula? Is there some, some secret hidden somewhere in the Bible that I've not found yet that I can answer this question with? Well, Jesus said this in John chapter 17 and verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. He was praying in John chapter 17, and he was having this conversation with the Father, and he said, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So the question remains, how can I bring glory to God? Well, from this passage that I just read, it appears to me, and I suggest to you, that Jesus honored God by fulfilling His purpose on the earth. And his purpose was to redeem humanity from the judgment of sin. We honor God in the very same way. You thought I was going to come up with something real profound, didn't you? We honor God in the very same way. When anything in creation fulfills its purpose, it brings glory to God. Them birds the other morning were fulfilling their purpose. They were bringing glory to God. When anything in creation fulfills its purpose, it brings glory to God. Birds bring glory to God by flying and chirping and nesting and doing other bird-like activities that God intended. Even the lowly ant brings glory to God when it fulfills the purpose it was created for. God made ants to be ants. And He made you to be you. 
It has been said, and I quote, The glory of God is a human being fully alive. End of quote. There are many ways that we can bring glory to God. However, for the sake of this discussion this morning, I will summarize it into five primary ways that we can bring glory to God. Number one, we bring glory to God by worshiping Him. By worshiping Him. You see, worship is our first responsibility to God. We worship God by enjoying Him. C.S. Lewis said, and I quote, In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. End of quote. Again, I quote, In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. End of quote. You see, God wants our worship to be motivated by love. He wants our worship to be motivated by thanksgiving and by delight, not duty. We're not bringing glory to God if we do these things out of duty, but we do glorify God when we worship Him out of love and thanksgiving and delight. You see, God is most glorified in us when we are the most satisfied in Him. Worship is far more than praising and singing and clapping our hands and praying and the things that we do in the process of our worship. Worship is a lifestyle of enjoying God. A lifestyle of loving Him. A lifestyle of giving ourselves to be used for His purposes. When we use our lives for God's glory, everything we do can become an act of worship. Amen. Someone asked me one time, why when I wash my automobiles, why I wash up under the fender wells? You don't need to wash up under the fender wells, they told me. I said, no, no, you don't understand. Any job worth doing, everything I do, I do for the glory of God. And if I'm going to do it for the glory of God, I'm going to do it right. And if I'm going to do it right for Him to get the glory, then I need to clean the fender wells. Amen. Now, I'm not picking on you folks that don't clean your fender wells, don't. (laughs) Everything we can do can become an act of worship. Everything. Well, no, I don't preach right now. Come on now. Doing the laundry? Give it up. No, it can be to the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 13 familiar passage, you hear me use it a lot, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Number two, we bring glory to God by loving other believers. When you and I were born again, we became part of God's family. You see, following Jesus Christ is not just a matter of believing, it also includes belonging and learning love, learning to love the family of God. And some of us are a little harder to learn to love than others, I will admit. John wrote in John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Paul also said in Romans chapter 15 and verse 7, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Notice that, to the glory of God. 
You see, it is our responsibility through the help of the Holy Spirit to learn how to love as God loves. Because God is love and it honors Him. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. He didn't say anything about we'd know by what church we attended. He didn't say anything about we'd be known because what our last name was. He said we'll be known by the love we have for one another. That's the only identifying credential that Jesus ever set forth in Scripture. That we would be identified, be identified as his disciples only through the love that we display and we have for the brethren. Number three, we bring glory to God by becoming Christ-like. You see, once we are born into God's family, he is expecting us to grow into spiritual maturity. And I know there are no doubt of men around, folks who've been in church for a good while, you'd just like to shout at them, would you please just grow up? In your thoughts, you may be asking, well, what exactly does that look like? Well, spiritual maturity is becoming like Jesus Christ in the way that we think, in the way that we feel, and in the way that we act. The more we develop Christ-like character, the more we will bring glory to God. Let the church say amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God gave us a new life and a new nature when we accepted Him and were born again. Now for the rest of our lives here on earth, God wants to continue the process of changing our character. And if you thought it happened overnight... I've got a news flash for you. He's still working on me. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul writing to the church at Philippi, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Notice that. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Oh, I thought I was supposed to have all that stuff so I'd look like a Christian and look good. No, no, you're supposed to have all that to the glory and praise of Almighty God. John chapter 15 and verse 8, Jesus said this, But this, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Amen. Number four is we bring God glory by serving others with our gifts. Each and every one of us was uniquely designed by God with talents, gifts, skills, and abilities. The way you're wired is not an accident. God didn't give us our abilities for selfish purposes. They were given to us for the benefit of others just as others were given abilities for our benefits. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, I'll read these to you, and then I'm going to introduce you to J.C. and George. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability God, which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yesterday I've been out here at the church doing some things, some maintenance things around here that needed to be done. And I needed to run to Home Depot, pick up some things, check and see if they had some other things for... I was involved in. I go into Home Depot and I make my purchases and I come back out. And I always park way off at the end of the parking lot somewhere for a couple reasons. One, I like to walk. For a second reason, keeps people from dinging my doors. I know that's a lot of pride. but Anyway, I always park out and I come out of the place and I'm, I'm... you know, just been out here and been kind of, you know, in that state where you worship and things, you're getting things done and you're just all by yourself. It's just you and God and you're having a good time. And I come out of there and I'm walking way out across the parking lot. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a couple of young men over there standing behind a car as I'm passing by a couple, a row or so away. I looked at them. They caught my eye. They, I, they looked at me and we both all said good morning at about the same time. I walk on by, headed to my truck. I just almost get to the back of my truck, and I hear one of these young men by the name of J.C. said, Sir, sir. And they kind of got distance, and he said, I don't, don't want to start you. I don't want you to think that I'm up to anything. But he said, I couldn't help but notice when we spoke and you were walking across that parking lot, there's something about your countenance. I need to talk to you. And uh, he said, I, I, feel, I feel like you... You, you're born again. I said, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head there. And he said, in fact, you wouldn't by chance be a pastor, would you? Now, I'm out there in my blue jeans. I've got an old shirt on. I've got my hat on. I look like anything but a pastor. And he said, well, he said, we're, we're out here. And he said, uh, we're out here to evangelize. I said, okay, that is wonderful. So we talked back and forth a little bit and and about what they were doing, he said, we just, you know, he said, can you give us a little bit of insight, a little bit of thoughts on, on how to do this? He said, this is kind of new to us. And so we talked for a little while. I gave him some of my thoughts and insights into it. And um, JC and George, they were, was their names, and we're talking back and forth and going on about this. And I said, well, uh, basically pretty much like you did approaching me. When you felt the witness of the Spirit, and you felt like you needed to talk to me, you come and approach me, and you approach me in such a way that did not turn me away. I said, it's the same thing when you're doing what you're doing out here, and you approach them gently, approach them with kindness, be courteous, and approach them in such a way, and I said, most importantly, let the Holy Spirit guide you. So we talked there, and I throwed my stuff in the back of the truck, and we're standing there talking, and he said, Would you mind if we pray here? I said, Not at all. So there we are, huddled up out in the middle of the parking lot at Home Depot, having a good season of prayer. So Peter says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.
Finally, number five, we bring glory to God by telling others about Him. You see, God doesn't want His love and purposes to be kept a secret. Oh, for many years the church has done its thing inside its four walls and we've sang to one another and we've shouted to one another and we've done all of these wonderful things to one another and we missed the greatest opportunity of a lifetime. That is to get outside of our four walls and share the gospel with the world. Well, what am I supposed to do just like J.C. and George did? Looking for an opportunity? Are you saying I should go approach? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying make yourself available. God will make the connection. Amen. Of all the times in the day for me to go to Home Depot, unless I'm buying tools that I like, I don't like going to Home Depot. Because I get in there and I see all the things I need to get done at my house. And then I get depressed. And then I ask, why did you go in there? So... But of all times, for me to go into Home Depot, but when we make ourselves available, we must share, He expects us to share the truth with others. And this, I might add, is a great privilege, introducing others to Jesus Christ, helping them discover their purpose and preparing them for their eternal destiny. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the, through the many, may cause thanksgiving and abound to the glory of God. Let's read that again. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So I close with this last question. What will you live for? Living the rest of our lives for the glory of God will require a change in our priorities, a change in our schedule, a change in our relationships, and everything else for that matter. No doubt at times it will mean choosing a different path instead of an easy one. Even Jesus Christ himself struggled with this. Knowing he was about to face the cross and be crucified, Jesus prayed, as recorded in John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, he asked. But for this purpose, Jesus went on to say, I came to this hour. Jesus stood at the proverbial fork in the road. Would he fulfill his purpose and bring glory to God, or would he shrink back and live a comfortable, self-centered life? You and I face the same choice. Will we live for our own goals, our own comfort, and our own pleasure, or will we live the rest of our life for God's glory? Knowing that, He has promised eternal rewards. Jesus said in His Word, once again in John 12 and 25, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I believe as the body of Christ, it is time to settle this issue once and for all, are we going, who are we going to live for, ourselves or for God? Perhaps you may be hesitant, wondering, well, if, if you have the strength and will to live for God is in this capacity, can we do that? If this is where you are, I have good news for you. God will give you everything that you need to live for His glory. We haven't made it down the road that we've traveled thus far on our own strengths 
and our own abilities. God has been the provision. He's been the help and strength that has been there. He'll give us everything that we need. If we'll just make the choice to live fully for Him and His glory. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So right now, God is inviting you and I as the body of Christ to live for His glory by fulfilling the purpose in which He has made us for. You see, it's really the only way to live. Everything else is just existing. Real life begins by committing yourself completely and fully to Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?